Welcome to the Park City Podcast, a podcast created by Park City Church to discuss who God is and how he is at work in our lives. I'm your host, David Morelli. Welcome back to the Park City Podcast. Again, my name is David Morelli, and as always, I am joined by my friend Phil Schomber. Phil, this past Sunday was Super Bowl Sunday. Did you watch the game? I did. Um, it was a little painful for me, I have to say. I uh, couldn't help but uh, feel like the my Packers should have been there, could have been there, but uh, it was a good game even without the Packers being in it. Yeah, I made the comment, uh, my wife Lauren and I were with friends, and I said, you know, it, it in a way it's good that the Packers aren't in it because I would either be, you know, on cloud nine if they won or just horribly depressed if they lost. And so this way I can just very neutrally enjoy the game and, you know, not feel like I have to be glued to the TV, edge of the seat, tense. But I, I too, was, was saddened uh, at the fact that the Packers were not in it. And then I was also sad that the Bengals lost. I, I definitely felt like, uh, you know, the heartstrings were, were pulling for the Bengals throughout the game. So that was uh, disappointing to see them lose, but they look like they're going to have a good team here for the next few years. So overall, it was a good a good Super Bowl and, and cool to see, though I'm a Packers fan, cool to see Matthew Stafford uh, get the win and um, feel like his career is a little bit more validated. Yeah, I was I was also rooting for the Bengals as a as the underdog, but at the same time, I I had that just that feeling that um, it just wasn't going to be their night in the end. Um, and so yeah, but it was a good game. I was I was Super Bowl doesn't always turn out that way, so I was glad to have an actual good good game to watch. Absolutely. Well, uh, before we get into our content for today wanted to just remind you of what we talked about last week. So during the sermon discussion, we were looking at the relevance of the Old Testament in our lives. We talked about how Jesus has fulfilled the scriptures, uh, but at the same time, they're still applicable to our lives. And and so we should be reading them and, and teaching them and applying them to our lives as we do the whole canon of scripture. And then for the devo- devotional portion, we talked about the clarity of scripture and how that because scripture is clear, it ought to motivate us to read the Bible. So this week in the sermon, Corey looked at Matthew chapter five, verses 21 to 30, and taught about Jesus's call to righteousness. So in that passage, Jesus uses the examples of murder and adultery to point out how our outward actions are not always good indicators of what is really going on in our hearts or what's going on beneath the surface. So, Phil, on Sunday, as you were listening, what stood out to you? Well, for me, I thought it was um, just a, a good reminder of how high God's standards are. Um, when I focus on outward actions, it's much easier for me to convince myself that, you know, I'm doing a decent job um, of conforming to, to God's will. But it's much harder to fool myself if I dig deeper and look at my inner thoughts and attitudes um, and I think that's true for all of us, and it can be a powerful motivator um, and, and prompt us to seek God's grace and help to become the, the people that he actually wants us to be. Yeah, my thoughts were similar. I, again, struck by just how drastic this call is, how high of a call it really is. And, and again, you, you just 
convicted of my own shortcomings and seeing how easy it is to just fall horribly short. Um, I was, you know, thinking of a, the silly example of, of driving, um, which I know, you know, we've discussed before, just, I wouldn't consider myself an aggressive driver, but I think I am an impatient driver. Um, and you know, you get someone who I get stuck behind. I think they're driving too slowly, uh, or, you know, maybe somebody cuts me off. And again, you get, it's not this, uh, you know, outward action. I'm not, uh, tailgating them. I'm not, you know, screaming at them out my window or anything like that, but what's going on inside my head? Well, it's maybe some thoughts that, uh, you know, aren't the most appropriate, don't really reflect Christ's character. Uh, you know, instead of responding with understanding or empathy, you know, maybe the person that's driving slow is a new driver. Uh, maybe the person that cut me off, you know, is a, is a parent racing home to, you know, there's an emergency at home and, and, and their child's there. And so they're, you know, racing to get home as fast as they can. And so, you know, that's what they're doing. And, uh, but again, how, just how high of a call that is and just how easily or, or, or how obviously it exposes our own brokenness. I don't think you're the only one, uh, in that, uh, in that camp. I think, for a lot of us, just something as simple as driving in traffic is um, sort of a, a good indicator of just how uh, messed up we can be internally, uh, at least when we compare it to God's standards. You know, because <clears throat> that impatience, that anger, you know, I think bubbles up in in a lot of us, and and I, you know, it, it's it can be easy to write that off. Um, again, but when we look at what God's desire is for us, you know, I think it reveals just, um, just our, our own selfishness and that lack of compassion that, um, we ought to be having for others. And in this passage, you know, Jesus is describing really what the law is actually all about, right? He uses the same phrase you've heard it said, and then, you know, lists the command, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery adultery and then kind of furthers that discussion and says well here's what that really you know looks like and again that's where we're you, you land in that point of conviction of oh yeah like god ultimately cares about our hearts and and really this is an area in which we see kind of the surgery that's necessary right this this renewal process that's necessary in order for our hearts to uh, you know align with his so why is it necessary for our hearts to be renewed in order for us to, to live out this superior righteousness that Jesus is calling us to? Well, I, I think it's necessary because uh, God isn't just concerned about us following certain commands. Uh, he intends to transform us into new people, and that can't happen uh, with just external changes because who we are is deeper than that. So if we're called to be like Christ— you know, we're going to need our thoughts and desires to conform to him, not just our actions. So we need that internal change as well. Mm. That's well said. In the passage, Jesus then, you know, at the end, gives this drastic call to avoid sin. You know, he talks about, you know, gouging out your eye and cutting off your hand. And as Corey said, that's not a, that's not Jesus advocating for self-mutilation, but it is this drastic call to, you know, as a believer, to do all that we can to avoid sin. As you hear that, as you read 
you know, that passage, how does that affect you? How does that hit you? Well, it does a number of things, but one of the first things uh, it does, or at least it ought to do for me is, you know, drive me to, uh, to want to seek God's mercy and grace, because um, I think when we look at the standard that Jesus sets out, we realize just how much we need that mercy and grace. Um, you know, we, we need his forgiveness, but more than that, we also realize that we need his help uh, because we can't bring about that kind of internal change um, uh, on our own. If we're, if we're truly going to become the, the people that God wants us to, uh, we're going to need his, his, his work in us. Yeah, right. Like we live our lives with oftentimes a far less serious view of sin than God. And I think sometimes that's, that's why as people we struggle to understand God's judgment and his wrath because we don't fully understand just how offensive sin is to him. Uh, and so, you know, I'm deeply convicted when I hear Jesus say that. And again, it's that you just start to see this, uh, this great need for God's mercy and grace and forgiveness because you just see how far you have to go. Um, and, you know, again, and, and as Corey was saying, this, this call isn't literal. Jesus isn't saying, go cut off your hand. But again, that shouldn't subtract from its seriousness, right? We shouldn't just say, well, it's not meant to be taken literally. So, you know, eh, it's fine. Jesus isn't being that, you know, serious about it. It's, no, if, if sin is really as bad as the Bible claims it is, and if, if sin really leads to eternal separation from God, then as believers, we should do all we can to avoid it, even if that action, you know, may seem drastic or extreme. Um, I would agree. I mean, I think that's Jesus' point in, you know, in, in, a, in the passage that we were looking at in Matthew. We often think of sin as, you know, minor. But again, if we look at it from God's point of view, understand how serious it is um, and his his judgment against it, you know, we're going to want to avoid that. But but I think it's even, I guess, I think it, even, it goes beyond that because it's not just about avoiding, you know, in the passage we're looking at the internal uh, attitudes and it's not just a, about avoiding those uh, negative attitudes when we consider that Jesus... Uh, wants our inward life to, to match his, um, we realize that we, we need to cultivate those positive attitudes as well. So it's not just, for example, about, uh, avoiding circumstances that cause us uh, to be angry. So, you know, it's not just taking a different route to work, for example, because you know, um, you know, the traffic is heavier, in one direction, and that's gonna you're you're gonna be angry, um, and so you t you take a you know less traveled route. Um, it's not that doesn't quite get to the heart of what you know Jesus is talking about. It it goes uh, deeper. We need to be cultivating that um, that patience that we talked about earlier. That that concern and compassion for other people. Uh, so it's not just about avoiding um, certain things. It's about cultivating the right attitudes as well. And, you know, I think when we realize that, um, it, it needs to, to push us to, to be asking what we're doing to, um, cult, to cultivate those positive, those right attitudes as well. 
That's well said. And I think that's an important note to, to emphasize because as humans, we have that tendency to just, again, we, we want everything to be black and white and we just want to, you know, take something, receive it and then say, okay, this is how it is. And kind of in that same way, even as we hear Jesus say, well, this is, this is really about what's going on in your heart. We still want it to be about outward obedience. Right. And so we then say, oh, I'm going to take a different, you know, I'm just going to avoid the situation that makes me angry. And, and again, you know, that was well put, as you said, of how ultimately, you know, God wants to change that, you know, that actual, that response in our hearts. Uh, that isn't of him, you know, and, 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 and steer us towards, okay, how are we to become more patient, more empathetic, more understanding? Um, and I think that's the tension that we live in as Christians, as we, as we read this call uh, in this passage, you know, we have to hold in tension this kind of, I don't know if responsibility is the best word, but this, this, I'll use that responsibility to, to, you know, be proactive in the fight against sin while also kind of on the other hand, holding the tension, the other side of that tension of holding onto the sufficiency of God's grace, right? Um, that we can't, we can't slip into this legalistic view as if, okay, now it's just, again, all about outward obedience. And so let me just earn favor with God, earn my salvation by showing God, you know, how obedient I can be. So what does it look like for the Christian to hold kind of both sides of that tension at the same time? Well, I, th- I think it begins with uh, allowing that high standard that we've talked about and, and the seriousness of sin to highlight um, our need for God's grace. I mean, as we've hit upon already that, you know, if we take Jesus' statement in the Sermon on the Mount seriously, you know, we recognize just how much we need his forgiveness because um, if if we go beyond the command uh, not to commit murder and start looking at anger, you know, most of us are going to have to admit that, okay, now, now we got a problem because that's something that's rooted deep inside of me. So um, we need to, we're going to need God's forgiveness for that. But Again, if we go beyond that to look at the fact that God wants to transform us, uh, that's a radical transformation that's going to need to happen. And that should make us recognize that, yes, we're called to avoid sin and to take it seriously, but we ought to recognize that that's not something that we're going to be able to do on our own. So as we respond to to God's call to, to avoid sin, at the same time, we're recognizing that we need him to work within us to make that possible. Yeah, absolutely. Like a, a recognition that not in a fatalistic way, but we're going to fail, right? As, as broken human beings, we're, we're going to mess up and, and fall short. And, and as you're saying, that's, you know, where we rely on the Holy Spirit to, uh, you know, grant us wisdom to avoid situations uh, where, where necessary. You know, we rely on the Holy Spirit to sanctify us, to change the desires of our heart. And then ultimately, as you're saying, we trust in the sufficiency of, of Christ's work on the cross, that he's already paid the penalty for us. And so therefore, you know, yes, we can, we can be proactive, we can be wise, but ultimately when we mess up, you know, we can run to the foot of the cross with confidence because Jesus has, has paid the penalty for us. And we, you know, as it says in Hebrews, that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence, you know, understanding that God's 
forgiving us, you know, that, that we can't outrun his grace if we are in Christ. Um, and then again, that, that ought to motivate us not to take advantage of that grace, as, you know, Paul talks about in Romans 6, not to keep on sinning that grace may increase, but out of a gratitude, out of a realization of, of how reliant we are upon God's grace to then say, yeah, I want this change, you know, and that's it, right. All the work the Holy Spirit is doing in our hearts that says, all right, I don't want to, I want to fail. And then just say, great, I can keep failing because, oh, well, I'm sinful and grace is, grace is there. Um, but we, we accept that grace and we say, this is undeserved, right? This is, this is incredible that God, holy, perfect, infinite would look upon me broken, sinful, and say, you know, you are my child, uh, you are forgiven. And so that motivates us then to say, okay, I want to strive to live as the Lord is calling me to. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in Romans 12, you know, Paul talks about the importance of not conforming to the world and being transformed. Uh, but it, that verse begins with, in view of God's mercy. Um, so as you said, it's it's kind of, you know, God's grace kind of covers the whole the whole process. It's uh, we need we needed His grace uh, and mercy uh, uh, in order to obtain forgiveness for sin. Um, we needed Christ to go to the cross, and, and but also God's grace is the motivator um, that prompts us to to respond appropriately to God's call. Um, and then it's God's grace that um, works within us. Um, to, you know, to bring that transformation about. Amen. Well, let's pause the discussion on the sermon there and move over to the devotional, where this week you read about the necessity of Scripture. Now, in the daily readings, Phil, you gave a few reasons why the Bible is necessary to understand God's purpose for our lives, to find salvation, to grow spiritually, and to make wise decisions. Now, I don't think many of our listeners would disagree with the doctrine of the Bible's necessity. However, one of the things that I was thinking through is we live in a world where we are blessed with, it seems like, infinite you know, resources to understand God, to understand his purposes, to understand you know, how to grow spiritually. Uh, there's thousands of books, there's great podcasts, there's article upon article. Um, so with all of these resources, why is the Bible still necessary? Why, why can't I just listen to podcasts and read books that help me to learn about who God is and how to walk faithfully with him? Well, I think it boils down to the fact that those re- resources, as helpful as they are, ultimately aren't God's word. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean we shouldn't take advantage of, of the teaching uh, and the encouragement that uh, they provide, uh, but they shouldn't replace regular Bible reading and study, um, you know, because uh, they're one step removed from what God has said. Uh, and, you know, take this podcast, for example, you know, uh, we strive to be faithful to biblical teaching, uh, but what are the odds that we get everything right? It, zero, I would say. And and that's true of any teacher or preacher. Um, and we need to remember that because 
how will we be able to recognize the errors if we aren't comparing it to what God himself has said? Um, and if that's true, where we're, um, we're trying to be faithful, that danger is magnified by the fact that some teaching out there wanders uh, very far from God's word. But we won't be able to recognize that if we ourselves aren't um, regularly in God's word. Absolutely. And to, to further comment on, you know, this podcast, like as you're listening to this, that's not filled, you know, and I like, we're not just being overly humble, uh, when talking about that, that's, that's what we talk about. We say, when we, you know, actually hope that this resource is encouraging and beneficial, that's, that's true. We want it to, to hopefully, uh, help to increase your awareness of God's, you know, beauty and grace in your life. However, it is meant to be supplementary you know, to your Bible reading, never to replace that. And, and again, that's that theme, you know, that we're talking about. But I think what you said about how scripture helps us to discern what resources are accurate, you know, that's incredibly important because as we discussed, you know, a couple of weeks ago with the authority of scripture, that's, that's really what it does. It, it tells us what is true and what isn't. And right, as you said, there are resources out there that include teaching contrary to scripture and without scripture, then we're in danger of being led astray of and believing something is true when it's actually contrary to God's word. Uh, and that's where, again, scripture becomes incredibly important in that conversation. Um, I'm a huge fan of Matt Chandler, the pastor of the village church down in Texas, um, and have just deeply appreciated his ministry. But one of the you know, he's very, very keen on this as well. And he, when you actually go online to view one of his sermons, before the sermon starts, a little clip of Matt pops up, and he discusses this exact point. And he talks about the importance of involvement in a local church and of reading the Bible for yourself, of like, don't just listen to sermons. Um, and it, again, even as you were saying, right, teachers and preachers are still fallible. They're still able to err. Uh, and, and many of them are, are godly people, you know, well-intentioned, but again, we're, we're, we're fallible human beings. And, you know, he's getting at that point of, you know, if your relationship with the Lord is just listening to sermons, uh, you're ultimately going to be missing out. And I think you said it well, and it's, you know, one degree of separation away from God's word, um, you know, versus what does it look like to read the Bible for yourself, to meditate on you know, it's words and, and, and to just sit with that, you know, day after day, week after week, year after year for however long you're on this earth. Well, another thought that, you know, pops in my brain is in Matthew 22, Jesus says that all the law is summed up in the two commandments to love God and love others. So we're talking about, you know, the necessity of scripture and and why resources you know themselves are great but ultimately don't you know aren't aren't sufficient you know why can't we just practice these commandments why can't we just seek to love god to love others as a way to grow spiritually how does the bible actually help us in that case well loving people and loving god you know on the surface sounds simple but in practice what does that actually look like Without the Bible, we may end up defining uh, that, you know, what it loves to, uh, what it means to love others and to love God differently than the way that God does. 
Um, and, and, and that's because, you know, our, our views are so much shaped by, by the world. Um, even something that sounds as simple as loving others and loving God, you know, um, it's easy for us to, to walk away from what, uh, God actually means by that. Hmm. Yeah, that's wise. And, and, and you're right in that ultimately our, we can't help but be shaped by our culture, by the world. It's just, it's too ingrained in us, right? It's the experience that, as we've talked about before on the podcast, that it just affects how we interpret things. And we all come to scripture with a, you know, kind of set of perceptions of this is kind of how the world works. Um, But, you know, again, as we talk about the authority of scripture, that's where, again, we're putting those things you know, we're, we're, we're laying them down at the Bible and saying, okay, but what does the Bible actually say? And then I'm trusting that that is true and that that is authoritative. And so, right. It practicing commands is great, but if my definition of love is ultimately contradictory or, or, or falling short of how the Bible defines it, then again, ultimately my spiritual growth is going to be dampened. Well, exactly. And, you know, again, what it means to love, others, for example, is, is going to be defined by, by the context. And, um, you know, so we're going to have to think about it. What, you know, what does love require under these circumstances? And again, if, if our ideas, um, are shaped, uh, purely by, um, our worldly influences, you know, we're not going to be taking the actions that God, um, would have us, would have us do, um, you know, so take something like, uh, you know, what it means to be a good leader, right? You know, that would be an application of love in, in a particular circumstances, you know, being a good leader, uh, I'm going to do this or that, you know, in, in these circumstances, but what's the pattern, uh, that we're looking to, is it the corporate boardroom? Or is it what God has said? Is it is it the example that Jesus left us? And you know that that's just it's a small example, but it it shows that um, you know it, it's much more difficult than we realize that we need to know more than just the command to love others. We have to be thinking about what that means in context. And again, we're going to need to make sure. Um, how we're thinking about those issues are shaped by what God has said and, and not, you know, uh, what we see around us. Absolutely. And that's where, you know, you had mentioned Romans 12 earlier that talks about being, you know, transformed and the renewing of our minds that, you know, before in the sermon, we were talking about kind of the renewal of our hearts. Right. And that, and now this conversation is a renewal of our minds that ultimately, you know, where, where biblical teaching seems to differ from maybe what our initial perception is, you know, we need to lay that down and say, okay, how do I, you know, seek to follow what scripture says as it is authoritative, as it is clear, as it is necessary, you know, as you, you see all these things coming together, I hope that as you're listening that that, uh, that flows, that, it, that you're seeing those connections, um, between these separate, you know, doctrines of, of the Bible, um, but you know exactly right you're you're looking at how does the bible define leadership or how does the 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 bible define patience or 
you know, what it means to be a good husband, for instance, right? That's one that, you know, I would say society, you know, has it has some some very different views on what it means to be a loving, you know, uh, husband. Um, but in scripture, you know, we look at a passage like Ephesians 5 and you, you know, as Paul breaks down, you know, that parallel between, you know, Christ and the church and a husband and a wife and how ultimately the husband is to love, you know, his wife as Christ loved the church. Well, what did Christ do for the church? He gave himself up for her, right? And so, okay, for me as a husband, now I understand, you know, God is calling me to give up my preference, to give up, you know, to see to see Lauren's preferences as greater than my own, to seek to serve her in, in such a way that I would be willing to lay down my life for her. Um, that's what it means to be a good husband. You know, we're, <laughs> this week is Valentine's Day, uh, and, you know, we make the joke, right, it's the holiday created by Hallmark to sell cards. <laughs> and, it, you know, in a lot of ways, like, love is one of those topics that, you know, culturally can be you know, discerned or, or, or rather defined in so many different ways. But then when you're, you know, as a believer, when you look to scripture, you start to say, okay, well, this is actually how God desires for that to play, play out. This is how he created it, you know, to be. And then as we sit with scripture, as we, you know, from a uh, intellectual standpoint, start to understand God's desire, you know, then the reading of scripture through the power of the Holy Spirit begins to transform us where then your heart actually starts to reflect those things, right? You start to become the the patient, empathetic, understanding person, you know, that we've been talking about throughout this whole episode. Exactly. And, and again, I think that points to, you know, just why the, the renewal of the mind is so, so important because, you know, if we, if we change the way that we think, we ultimately end up changing, you know, the way that, that we live. And, you know, again, sticking with, with the marriage example, you know, if we were only taking our cues from society, would we ever come up with, you know, the idea that uh, sort of, you know, a, a permanency to, to marriage, you know, I think it would be much easier to, to think in terms of, Oh, it, it, you know, if this no longer uh, suits my my needs, if, if I'm not happy, then then uh, this doesn't make any sense anymore, and we should just you know go our separate ways. You know, but when when we allow Scripture to to uh, set the categories and and uh, shape how we think about uh, marriage, it, it becomes natural to look at it differently, and and not that that by itself automatically leads to change but as the right. holy spirit uses that and reminds us of what god calls us to do we can then then respond but if we don't if we don't even know uh, what god's picture of, of marriage is how how could we ever hope to to begin to 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 live like that so that's i think that's the connection that we we first have to have our thoughts transformed so that we then have the ability to respond to it with the help of the Holy Spirit. Right. Absolutely. And, and the humility there to, to ultimately, as we've talked about previously, submit to God's design and, 
you know, sometimes that's going to come with our understanding and sometimes that's not, you know, as we talked a little bit last week, as we talked about the clarity of scripture that, you know, there are going to be some things that we don't understand. Um, but ultimately having the humility to submit and say, okay, but I'm, I'm still trusting that, that God ultimately knows what's best and I can follow him, you know, wholeheartedly, even without perfectly understanding, uh, every, every little detail. And I think that's a huge effect or consequence of the, the, you know, transforming of your mind, renewing of your mind is that we start to say, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to go towards scripture. I'm going to see scripture as necessary to, as you talked about in the devotional, understand God's purpose to understand, you know, when I encounter a situation in life, you know, we start to run to scripture to say, how does God feel about this? And then scripture informs our thoughts and informs our opinions rather than the other way around to where we kind of, you know, run to scripture and want to impose our views and say, well, scripture is just outdated or scripture, you know, God is controlling or, you know, some of the common uh, sort of excuses that we'll make, you know, we come to scripture and try to impose our view on it rather than allowing it to transform us. Yeah. Last week and this week in, in the devotional, but also, you know, in, Corey's message on Sunday, you know, I think we keep, we keep running into the idea that, you know, our internal attitudes are so important, uh, in terms of, um, how we live, but that kind of, the kind of transformation that God, you know, desires for us. And, um, and, and those ultimately, you know, it, I, 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 I'm thinking about um, D.A. Carson has a commentary on um, on the uh, uh, the Gospel of John, and uh, in chapter 15, you know Jesus talks about the importance of abiding in Him, and you know as as He makes it clear, um, you know abiding in Him is tied to obedience. That you know if we truly are abiding in Him. Uh, you know, that's going to be reflected in how we act. But there's a point at which he says, he talks about his words abiding in us. And Carson sort of describes that as, you know, the idea of Jesus' words being so much a part of us that it becomes natural for us to um, act a certain way, to, to obey his commands. And, you know, I think that ties in with what we're saying because, you know, we, we need to regularly be in the word, allowing it to transform our thoughts, because if that's not happening, that sort of, it's not going to be natural for us um, to respond appropriately. And that's what we're ultimately desiring is that where it's, it's natural for us uh, to treat people a certain way. It's, natural for us to be appreciative of what God has done for us. And, um, you know, and I think that's, and that ties in, I think with Romans 12, I think that's what Paul is getting at, that it's that, that mental, um, part of us that needs to be changed as well. Without it, you know, our attitudes and our actions aren't going to follow. Absolutely. And, I think that's what you see, you know, when you meet someone who's been walking with Jesus for 
80 years, right? You notice something different about them. Uh, and, you know, something even different than maybe other believers who, you know, haven't been walking with the Lord for, for that length of time. And a lot of it is that, right? They're, for so long, they have been saturated in the word of God that it flows out of them. And it, it's evident, you know, that's what's so cool from a, from a, uh, you know, evangelistic standpoint, right? That the word of God works in such a way in that, right? It becomes evident to other people around us as we talked about. But I was listening to uh, a podcast here as we talk about uh, other Christian resources, but it was advice for, you know, young Christians, people in their in their 20s. And one of the pieces of advice was to read the Bible in a year, every single year. And that kind of struck me as a, you know, well, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of reading. Um, and, you know, how much do you glean year after year if you're doing the same thing versus, you know, kind of switching up the way that you study or picking, you know, choosing different uh, books to focus on or, or topics or themes or whatever. And the argument, the reason, you know, for that was he just said, it'll change you. And that struck me, right? That year after year, you know, thousands of days of just coming to the word of God and saying, you know, God, who are you? How have you moved? You know, who are you calling me to be? And seeing that day after day, week after week, year after year, you know, changes us. And, you know, I know for myself, that can be sometimes discouraging because I'm 25 and I go, man, I want to, I want to have that now. Um, it's like, yeah, take, take me to that place. Uh, just kind of transport me there. Uh, but again, you can't, you can't really get there without that process. Um, and the Lord is so faithful and so good and so kind in using that process to just, you know, slowly but surely mold us and shape us and sculpt us into those people. You know, so that again, when we, we meet that 80 year old who's been walking with the Lord their entire lives and we go, wow, like that, there's something different. Uh, and I think that's one of the sweet beauties of the word of God is that it has that effect on us. And again, coupled with the Holy Spirit and we see, you know, again, as we've, we've discussed, it's not just the word of God doing that, but um, such a beautiful effect of that you know that 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 happens from just faithfully coming to the word day after day yeah i mean i i don't know that i can put it any better than that i mean i think that's a a beautiful picture of how we can consistently be growing in, in the the ultimate goal that 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 we hope to you know realize through that well let's pause the discussion here uh, as always, Phil, thank you so much for all of your thoughts and wisdom. As we close the episode, just want to remind you again, if you have any questions about the topics that we are discussing, we would love to hear from you. You can send any questions you have to my email, davidmorelli at parkcitychurch.net, and we will attempt to answer them. Well, next week, Corey will be preaching on Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 to 37, as we continue to work through the Sermon on the Mount. And then we will be wrapping up our discussion on the doctrines of the Bible by talking about its sufficiency. 
So please join us next week for that discussion. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Park City Podcast. We hope this resource helps you to see and savor God's goodness, beauty, and grace in your life. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.parkcitychurch.net. Once again, thanks for listening.